0: Mel Tempest is known as a fitness business influencer, hands-on health club owner, ebook author, and presenter. Mel has known to be controversial, challenges the status quo, and lives outside the square. Her skill set is current on trend, savvy, and in demand. Her primary goal is to get more health club owners moving towards innovation, technology, and social media success. Her own success comes through tough and humble beginnings. Mel Tempest now presents to you The Gym Owners Podcast, more than just the business of fitness, proudly supported by National Fitness Business Alliance.
1: Good afternoon, Mel Tempest from the Gym Owners Business Podcast. Today I'm speaking to Dr. Michael Mantel and Robert Dyer. Both Robert and Michael have extraordinary careers in the health, fitness and wellness industry, experiencing over 6 decades of education technology and change good afternoon Robert and Michael
2: Mel it's good to talk with you and Robert and uh what was that six decades my goodness Robert have we I, didn't done know we,
3: that? I didn't know we were I didn't know we were that old but okay <laughs> <laughs> well you
1: don't look that old you don't look that old so what we want to do is we'll get our oh. podcast underway because I know the listeners are waiting to hear what we're going to discuss let's get it going what on earth is going on in the fitness industry we have gym owners we have personal trainers we have fitness professionals heading in droves to conventions and to workshops spending thousands of dollars and getting absolutely nowhere in their business they're going to these conventions they're grabbing all these tools and they're taking thousands of pages of notes going back into their business on Monday, and they've got absolutely no idea where to start and what to do. So who would like to answer that for me first?
2: Robert, do you want
3: to take that? Uh, yes, sir. I, uh, Mel, I'll, I'll jump in first. Uh, yeah, I think it's been this way, Mel, for, for, for many years. I've been attending conventions and conferences since 1985, and um, it's, it, it appears it's always been the same to me. When I was in the club business... The same exact thing the first few years is I would take a team of people to a conference, spend a lot of money, um, and travel a long ways, take people out of my facilities, separate them into, into where I wanted them to go, depending on what their department was, what their responsibilities were, and then after it's over and we get home, we would get busy doing our own, back to our own, where we left off, trying to catch up for being gone, and nothing would happen, would be different. The next year, we go to the next conference, and the same thing. Very little would actually be executed. That's what I think is going on with most people, is is there's not really a business plan or a convention plan, so to speak, as to how we're going to execute Top priority things that we that we research and we find out from all these professionals that we go see um, that there's no plan for it, and uh, it's easy to get it's easy to fall into that. I did that myself, and then I had to start creating more structure. So um, I I think it's been going on for a long, long time. I agree, Robert. Singing the same song, doing the same thing, and. We keep going back, taking the same notes. So it's a big
2: problem.
1: Yeah, I agree, Robert. I mean, the the biggest issue I see with conventions is that, as we just said, you know, people are rocking up and listening to the speakers. I, I sometimes sort of point the finger at the actual speakers because they're telling all of these fitness business owners what they should be doing, but they're not actually giving them the tools on how to get from A to Z. So, Michael, let me ask you this. If What's the best advice that you can give to fitness professionals on getting themselves from A to Z?
2: Well, I, I, first I want to agree uh, with both of you. Robert uh, hit the nail on the head. And Mel, you're exactly right. We go to conferences and we listen to rock stars. We listen to the superstars of the industry uh, telling us how great they have, what they've accomplished, how they've accomplished it, And even if they do give tools, they they give the five tools to achieving greatness, I think the difficulty is you can take all the notes, you can sit there, but if you don't have truly an open mind and a receptive heart, all you come away with is, wow, look how great they are doing it. You get in the car or the plane or whatever it may be, and you start thinking, why aren't I doing that? And I believe the reason is, is because of fear, deep fear, fear of failure, belief in I don't have what they have, some sort of inner critic that a toolkit doesn't address. Look, I can give someone the best brushes, the best paint, the best everything in their, in their uh, living room, show them the best color matches. But if they believe they're going to screw it up, they'll never put that brush into the paint onto the wall. So I would hope that what we can address is how to get past some of that self-doubt, that inner critic, that fear, those limiting beliefs that hold people back.
1: All right, so Michael, I'll just ask you this quite bluntly. What's wrong with screwing it up?
2: Nothing. How else do you think the greatest (laughs) learn? We learn... By failure, when I fail, look, my goal as a uh, transformational coach with people is to help them see that regardless of the situation they face in life, they either win or learn. They never lose. Failure is the step to success in someone who has an open mind. But failure to someone who has low self-esteem, who has what I call Conditional self acceptance is death. I failed. I'm giving up.
1: I mean, Robert, you've been in business for decades, and um, I mean, you've obviously screwed up over over those decades. I would assume.
3: Absolutely, ma. Yes, and and I totally agree with what what Michael is saying. Is that it, I believe it is it is as well fear and self doubt, and and I think the, the, the key one of the keys to this is. It, it, and for the lack of just a different term for this conversation, I'm going to say I'm going to use the word fail because I think that's really the word and the thing that people how they really look at themselves or their their expectation um, is that you've got to you, you you've got to fail fast and you've got to fail often. We've heard that, but I don't think we really stop and think about what that really means. There's nothing wrong with failing. Totally agree with Michael. We've all done it. Anyone who says they haven't, you better run as fast as you can away from them because they have. And so I, I just I just think that we've got to learn to do that gracefully, as Michael indicated uh, in his own words, uh, so that we can get on past that, to learn what not to do, so that we can finally get to the what to do. And uh, I think that's a big piece of this whole equation to, to make people more productive in their investments in whether that's recruiting and training people or continuing education, whatever the goal might be in attending these conferences and conventions.
2: If I can add to that, Mel, uh, look, the best uh, CEOs that I've worked with, of uh, the finest leaders, people who really have made a difference, are always curious and open to change. They are very agile, and very flexible. They question the status quo. They're not afraid to do that. They're not afraid of ruffling some feathers. They are, they are people who, as, as has once been said, uh, don't ask what the world needs. Uh, they ask more. They ask what makes them come alive. But if you don't have faith in yourself, if you don't have trust in yourself, um. Then all you're going to do is follow the status quo, be afraid to take a risk, be afraid to apply something you've heard one of the uh, gurus in our industry suggest and believe they can do that, but I can't. Now, look, we, we talk a lot about motivational interviewing when we talk about teaching people how to be coaches. But we don't apply that to ourselves. Simple question. What will happen if I don't change the way I approach this in six months, nothing. My business will continue to deteriorate. I, will ha- I won't I will have new members. I won't grow. If I change the way I approach these tools and use them in six months, yeah, I may see some real change. But I think we need to be talking with every tool-oriented uh, conference presentation. The six ways of growing your business, the new digital devices, the this, the that. We need to spend 10 minutes helping people look within and ask themselves, what excuse am I going to give for not using this? (laughs) How am I going to overcome this? Write it down before before you walk out. Don't walk out thinking, wow, that was a great presentation. Walk out within your hand the excuses that you're going to use and how you're gonna overcome those excuses when you get home.
1: But Michael, in saying all of that, let us be realistic. How does one give themselves faith?
2: Well, that well, first of all, faith can only come from within. So you can't look for it from someone else. You can't look for it from someone else giving you faith. Number one, we are filled with limiting beliefs. So one, I'll use three C's, the letter C, A, B, C, three C's. The first C is catch your thinking. Hear yourself and hear your inner critic. Hear your demeaning self talk. Hear hear yourself putting yourself down that I'll fail, it'll be terrible. He, of course, is a success. I'm not. Number two, challenge that thought. Is it true? Is it helpful to think this way? Am I inspiring myself? Is it necessary? For me to think these thoughts? Am I being kind to myself? If the answer is no, then we have some work to do. The belief that I'm holding on to is not a good one. i got to change it. The third C. Catch my thought, challenge that thought, and then change it. What will happen if I do that? I may take a step forward. I may become successful.
1: Robert, what's your now, thoughts on the three Cs? Well,
3: yeah, uh, well, yeah, I totally agree with what he, what Michael was saying, and we're very much aligned with those, with, with, with that. Uh, I, I want to say something. The, your question really was about faith, and and this is something that I put in my book that was a quote from uh, Elton Trueblood that I put in my chapter in the book that Brian O'Rourke and I co-authored on faith. It was just a a quote that I had selected that I thought was important. And I said, it says, faith is not belief without proof, but trust without reservation. And I, I do honestly believe that. And I believe that, that we have the, the trust in ourself, not only ourselves. As Michael pointed out, is comes, faith comes from within. It's not something you can make somebody have. And we have to have trust in our team and the people that we've recruited that we've spent time developing and coaching and upskilling, because that is our responsibility. And and when I was in the club business for 30 years, that was my ultimate responsibility, was I was the the behind-the-scenes guy, always with someone in front of me coaching and teaching. And, and, and listening how people answered the phone and how they would greet the customers and all the different things so then it got to where I, when I would go to these conventions I knew what a lot of our weaknesses were instinctively and by seeing it repetitiously that I would pay more attention to that and c- communicate with my team but I had to put belief in them I had to put faith let them have create their own faith and let them fail and and it not be a penalty for doing so. Let's just fail fast and go on to to what the right answer is. Because to me, that's all I cared about was what's the right answer, not whose answer is it. Mm -hmm. So that's how I look at this. And I don't blame the speakers. I I, I disagree with that. I, I think the speakers do a great job for the most part. There's exceptions for the most part of delivering great content and it's our responsibility because they only have a small window of time and to deliver it. And they can't give you all the how to's and the tools unless they do that separately. I guess you could do that. in today's technology probably could, but I think that you've got to actually go in with the mentality of extract taking what is your primary takeaway from that session that we could use in our business and that myself and the team, we had to know that. And then we had to prioritize those things when we would get back and meet to talk about what the, what, what, our, what our next step was to
2: execute. It. I think that if you listen to what you Robert's just saying, you break it down and you say, look, there are people who come away from these from conferences, learning a great deal with no limiting thoughts at all. They go home, they begin applying it with confidence, with assuredness, with a vision of success. But there are other people who hear it, and unfortunately, they don't have that inner faith. They don't have that sense of confidence, that belief, that vision of stirring up their own seeds of greatness, understanding what their talents and gifts are. They believe they don't have it. So, if I could give you three more steps, Mel, it would be, you hear a great talk, immediately take an inventory. Ask yourself, what's on your mind? What are you thinking? Are you agitated? Number two, label your thoughts and your feelings. Be aware of those thoughts and feelings. Be honest with yourself. I don't think I can apply that. Then ask yourself, you know, why? What is it that you're telling yourself? and then listen for this inner visionary that we all have. What do you notice right now about yourself? Are you noticing that you're feeling inadequate? Are you noticing that you're putting yourself down? Take the inventory, label your thoughts and feelings, and listen to that inner uh, visionary.
1: So some people aren't able to do that, Michael. So how are we gonna help those people?
2: Well, I don't believe that uh, there are people who are unable to. I believe there are people who haven't yet been helped to do that. So how can we do that as an industry? Yeah, I honestly believe we in the fitness industry have transformed trainers into coaches. We've developed health coaches. We have certifications for every kind of coaching you can think of. It's time we apply that to ourselves. When I work with gym owners all around the country, I am bringing coaching skills to their ability to grow. They have to be willing to look within. They have to be willing to to identify their own thoughts that hold them back. And when someone has an open heart and a receptive, an open mind and a receptive heart and says, okay, look, I know I'm holding myself back. Help me do that. I might I may take them through a decisional balance technique. What are the pros? What are the advantages of changing? What are the advantages of not changing? What are the disadvantages of changing? The disadvantages of not changing. And help people grow through these things to develop this uh, goal-oriented, excellent-oriented, solution-oriented, results-oriented mindset. They have to identify areas of their life that that are holding that they're holding themselves back in. One area where they use the words I can't, when they think of the need to change or do something different. And then help them imagine limitations in that area are all in their own mind. These are these tools that we, we teach at conference are not complicated. Being a leader is not a complicated thing. Applying digital technology to help a company grow, listening to phone conversations, listening to the way trainers deal with people, that's not complicated. What's complicated is getting out of your own way to do that.
1: Robert, your absolutely. thoughts
2: on that? No, that's, uh, there's not much to add to that, Mel. Uh,
3: if he's absolutely correct, is that uh, we've all been around many club owners and to, you know, for for people that don't know me, that I'm probably one of the most optimistic people. I always look for the for the good in people, and um, in saying that, no matter what we do, now, there's some people, as Michael identified, that the problem is they get in their own way, and some if if they wait too long, it's too late. Some ha- some people have the opportunity and the time to be able to make change and adopt new things. And I totally agree with Michael. It's a it, it, We're not talking about how complicated it is. It's being diligent. It's being passionate. It's wanting to know, as I said earlier, what is the right answer? What What's the right thing for me to do? How can I upskill this person? Because I can't do it all myself. I can't do all these tasks and I can't take back everything Thing and execute all this in the organization myself. I need these people, and it's my responsibility, as I said earlier, to make sure that I have the right people doing the right things. And I don't know. People are the most complicated part of this. Not not doing the task. It's the people that you have and you've chosen, and you that that you have to learn if they can make that if they can make it work or they can't. And make business decisions. Those aren't fun, and they're not easy. I know that. I've done it for 35 years. And some some of people I was the closest to, it didn't work, no matter what I did. But I, I can't sit there and dwell on it. I've got to go. I've got to keep moving my business forward because my competition is. And in the fitness industry, that's the way it is. You have to be nimble. Yeah. You know, man, you can't wait to change when some a competitor puts a sign up across the street that says, coming soon. It's too, late. <laughs> it's too late to change your culture. Right. It's, it's yeah. over. The game's over. It's-
2: I want nice to give you guys two actual real-life examples. Actual real life, okay? So, one, gym owner um, goes to almost every Group X class and sort of nudges his way onto the stage with the trainer. Now, f- and then the trainer's getting annoyed and I'm doing group meetings with them. The trainer's upset at the owner. Why are you doing this? Well, because I just want to make sure you're doing it right. I want to make sure that they, I want to see what I learned when in a private session with the gym owner is, the gym owner's insecurity is they'll like the trainers better than me. You cannot run a business if your inadequacy is in your way and going to affect the people you work with. And so that's that's, that's a great example. It just pops into my mind of, of real life. His inadequacy in the, it forced him to step in and, in a sense, undermine his own staff. He wondered why the, the members and the staff were leaving. Well, his inadequacy got in the way. Incredible example.
1: I mean, that's a big issue, Michael, right across the industry, though, isn't it? Undermining one's profession. I mean, that's an issue that's even outside of gym owners and and group fitness instructors, the the undermining of others because we feel insecure about our position. I suppose you need to go back and ask yourself, why do you feel insecure about your position?
2: Well, what I did in this case is not asking why. Why? In coaching, executives is a dirty word. <laughs> uh, I don't ask why. I say, what are you thinking that makes you feel insecure? And out pops a, a string of thoughts. And I say to them, let's examine those thoughts. Is that, are those thoughts true? They say, well, I mean, they're not exactly true. Okay, well, you're building your whole life on thoughts that are not true. Yeah, I guess I am. What else could I be thinking? You tell me. See, I believe that part of faith is having the trust that your client knows the answer to begin with. People know exactly what they need to be doing. Exactly. Um, There are many examples like this. uh, And I, I think this speaks to how it's not so much the conferences that are presenting wonderful material. The books that are written about leadership and partnership, like Robert and uh, and uh, uh, Brian's book, it's that we don't apply them because
1: we're fearful, we're afraid. So, so let me ask you, Robert. Then, um, how the how did you, as um, as a leader in the industry, turn people's insecurities into opportunities for them?
3: I'm going to give you an example. Of, uh, uh, I, I like the way Michael communicated his point with with an example. So I'm going to give you somewhat of an example. I hope it touches on that answers or touches on your your, your question, Mel. Is when I'm working with, I, I, I tell you what, I'll just use myself as an example. Many years ago, when I got into the club business, I had no idea what my exit strategy was going to be. I never even thought about it. I, I got up every day working and thinking like it was, it was a forever thing. It was never going to end. And 15, 18 years later, I kind of, it comes to me that, you know, either I'm going to keep doing this forever and ever, or I've got to come up with a way to, that, I, that I, that there's an end game. And some people get nervous when you talk about exits and end game. Uh, but it's really what they're working for. They just haven't thought about it yet. So to to motivate an owner to, to do the right things and to recruit the right people and to commit the time to, to training and upskilling their teams and really getting them involved is what I did was, is how I exited every single one of my clubs was I did it from within because I couldn't be dependent on a big player coming to me and making me an offer. I was too small a player to them. So I trained someone in every facility. I let them all know, at some point, I'm going to be out of here. I'm going to be doing something else. And so how I drove the motivation part that you bring up is that Everyone has an opportunity to be self-employed when you might not otherwise have a chance, and I'm going to help you do that. And these are the things that we have you have to do if you want to be part of that group. And I I, I just outlined what they were very simple things, basic fundamentals, but I, I increased the motivation, the performance because it was something they had something to look forward to. Besides being a personal trainer, a group fitness instructor, uh, a manager, it, it's they were they were they were empowered to sit in on the financial meetings every month. Uh, they, it, it was like a contest, nearly, and it motivated people to really step up and do things they hadn't done before because they could see there was an opportunity. And so, I don't know if that if that's an example about motivation, about motivating people, and, uh, but it, it, it's a way that I had to deal with it, because I had to figure out a way that what what's the next step of my career, what's the next phase? Um, I loved operating clubs and owning clubs. Um, that was my extreme passion. And then, like I said, you know, it took me 15, 18 years uh, to realize that you know, I need to start thinking about what am I going to do next? And so I started plotting that out. And I didn't let anything get in my way of doing that. Not people telling me that won't work, they won't pay you, they can't come up with the down payment. I took all that negative and said, you know what, you're full of crap. Yes, I, yes, they will. Yes, we can. So I'm not a big believer in too much of what people tell me I can't do. I'm um,
1: like that myself, Robert. that That,
3: that motivates me more... Probably than anything is telling me I can't do it. Yeah. And right or wrong,
2: that's the way I am. That's the way that's in my DNA. And uh,
1: I, I, I gave a have- talk, to- Robert. I gave,
2: it, I gave a talk today and I called it uh, The Importance of Being Fit. And everyone thought I was going to talk about physical fitness. And of course I wasn't. I was talking about becoming fit, a fundamentally independent thinker. FIT. I like it fundamentally like independent that. thinker. That's what you and, and uh, Brian are. Even those who stop us don't stop us. In other words, we, we just move around the other way because we have a sense yes. of confidence and faith in ourselves that a brick wall is just something to get around. But, you know, I, I, I think if you, if people listen to this program now were to identify one area where fear and self-doubt are holding them back from doing something that they want to do, and imagine that they were absolutely guaranteed success in that area. Think about how differently they would behave, and then and then they need to ask themselves: So why not? If they believe I have something to lose, they'll stop. You have nothing to lose.
1: But how do we get them to the why not stage? How do we get them to the why not stage? Personally, I'll have a go at anything because I look at life like what's the worst possible scenario that can happen to me? Uh, I lose some money. All right, well, I can live with that because let's face it, we waste money on a lot of things that aren't important. Um, what, what's the other worst scenario? I might lose um, a few friends. Well, they weren't friends in the first place. If it, if it goes like that, um, I might challenge somebody in their position. Well, then the issue is with them, and the issue is is not with me. So, how can we get more people to the? Why not? How can we get a hundred people that come and listen to you know the Robert Dyes and the Michael Mantels that that write all of these notes at these conventions? How can we get them walking out saying, why not? I'm going to give this a go. I I deserve to give it a go. How can we get them to that point?
2: I believe we have to help them understand that they really don't lose. They either win or they learn. That, in in the most direct ways, is what I help people do. You either win or you learn something. You don't lose. But I'll lose a lot of money. But what will you gain? Well, when well, you gain an education, so that money that you spent, consider that your tuition money. Oh, that's easy for you to say. You have millions. That's ridiculous. No. It's about what you gain. And if we get people to look at that and trust their own abilities, um, junior varsity thinkers think like this. They go, well, if I, if I lose something, that'll be horrible. And then they look for someone to say, but you won't lose anything. Oh, I won't? I won't lose? Okay, then I'll go forward. Varsity players live on the word regardless. I may lose. I may win. I may, I may, I may not. I don't know what's going to happen. I can't predict. But regardless, I'll be okay. I will always either win or learn. It's a heck of an important attitude to have. Do
1: either of you think that the fitness fitness industry has failed in educating our trainers and gym owners to think in a more positive manner
3: robert what do you think do i think do i think that our industry has failed uh overall i'm gonna say no i'm gonna say that i really believe that the outcome may have equaled a in this case um the, the word fail that you're using. Um, but I believe that for the most part, dealing with credible credible folks in our industry, and you can sort through those, uh, that, I, yeah, I just don't feel like that, that they've failed. I think they keep trying to generate uh, great content. Um, I don't agree with a lot of it but I'm not supposed to agree with everything. That's okay. I'm not one that walks around thinking that that way. I take one little thing from one conference, and that may be all I get. That's something different. The rest is put on the shelf. Uh, So I think the fail part comes with, with, back to what we started with, Mel, is that the fail part comes with, in my case, would be the inability to execute what I have learned, what I have went to. And after you've gone to some, as we all know, you, you know who who to go to and who are the up-and-comings and who are the people that that uh, keep you on the edge of your seat. Um, it's, I don't think the industry, I can't blame the industry for me. If I failed at something, I can't blame the industry for that. I, I'm an adult. I, I have to be able to make my own decisions based on information that I've gathered, people that I know, my instincts, my experience. And so it's hard for me to point a finger at somebody and say, you're the reason I failed.
1: So Robert, would the better word to use be accountability? We need to be more accountable as an industry? Oh, I
3: think I think. The, the accountability part, Mel, comes in to the associations. I, I, I think that the association levels, the, um, the different ones across the world, there are some that are really good and there's some that are very questionable. Um, and I think they should be more accountable for what they charge us for our membership fees and things like this. I think that uh, that we get shortcutted on things like that. Uh, if you're relating it to, to conferences and associations and and such, um, sometimes you know I really don't think the best intent is there. And I think if they've done it, some of them have done it for so long that they're not going to change. It's going to take something to really rock their boat to change.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of um, associations have I, lost I, their way.
3: Yeah.
2: If If I can read this, I I just want to jump in on this. Uh, I I couldn't agree with you more, Robert. I don't think that the fitness industry is uh, responsible for failing people any more than the health, medical industry, the finance industry, any other industry. Uh, I cut across some of these industries and speak of some of these various uh, organizations. And look, I, I, I think at the end of the day, what Robert said is critical. We're adults and healthy, functioning, successful adults, I believe have several common threads that run through them. Number one, they are intensely results oriented. So they come to a conference and before they, before they sit down for the first lecture or presentation, they know what they wanna get out of it. They have a problem and they're looking for a solution. And that's the second thing. They're very solution-oriented. Um, and so they are looking for uh, – they're thinking about solutions, not problems. They think about what needs to be done rather than who's to blame. Um, they are very growth-oriented. So the, the successful people who attend conferences and come back and growing are continually reading, they're always listening to audio programs, they're signing up for more courses, they want to stay at the cutting edge, ahead of the field. If someone's talking about it already, it's old, it's yesterday's news. They know that the future, um, it belongs to those who think confidently. And so, most importantly, these are action-oriented people. They're not saying that the conference wasn't a good one. They're saying, i, I got to come home and take something out of it. What can I do right now to move faster towards my goal than anyone else, than, than I did yesterday? They're in constant motion. And uh, I, I believe Robert's correct that the industry is not the issue. There are, there are difficulties in the industry like there are in every industry. I have a real problem with these... Quick and Dirty Certifications uh, that I've been talking about for years. That's a whole other... (laughs) (laughs) You're laughing. But that's a whole other uh, uh, podcast. But let's not hold the industry responsible. I would love to see an inventive conference at the end of every presentation hand out a personal plan for how I'm going to use this material. And if you're having trouble with it, then there's someone there to help coach you at the conference to get through your limiting beliefs. Can you imagine what that conference would be like?
1: Would be uh, actually that would be that would, be that would be incredible. So let me ask you both then and Robert I'll get you to answer first then. Um let's just assume I'm a gym owner, I'm sitting at at a workshop. And um, I don't have the privilege of having a fitness business coach or getting any education anywhere else other than sitting in this workshop. How can I draw up a personal plan when I go back to my motel room that's going to help me put some things into place on Monday?
3: Um, I'll start with we have to make our own path. If, I, if I'm that person that you're referring to, I have to go into this session understanding that I have to make my own path and I have to be, and I think we've said this a little bit throughout the conversation here is really diligent and keying in to the key things that, that is presented in that session that are going to help my business. And I think while it's fresh on your mind that so many people go to these conferences, and it's a social deal, and I understand that part, but you have to plan this out, and uh, you, you've you talked about this before, Mel, I've heard you, and uh, I have to go back to my, my motel room, whatever, and I've got to be able to, while it's fresh on my, my mind, review my notes, sketch out a plan of action, so to speak. I love the idea of what Michael just said about a personal plan at the end of each session. Um, but everyone is different and everyone will look at that plan with a different, well, through a different lens and have a different determination of what that means. But you can only do so much. And that's why I said at the beginning of the question is I have to make my own path and can't keep looking around for someone to do it for me. And I accept that responsibility and I always have. I've never blamed anybody for any failure or success or learning opportunity. It's what I put into it is typically what I got out of it. And I truly, truly am not just talking to you as and your audience as uh, to come across as giving you a cliche. It's what I honestly believe in my heart. And so... I I think immediate action while it's fresh on your mind is a good thing that would help you to get to better execute that when you got home um, back to your, back to your business or, and or your team that's with you should have a a quick debriefing before you do the social events, you carve out time for that because I think that's when we're going to get the most out of it. And we're all going to pick up some different things that we could share that would help our business model. And because we all knew what that was going in, hopefully that was communicated and clear by each department. And that's how, that's how I do things. You now uh, that's, I'm
2: sure Michael can add a, a lot to that. Well, I would say that, you know, growing up, we used to say, hey, you know, that's not rocket science. Like rocket science was like the most incredible uh, you know, difficult, uh, imaginable science in the world. Today, rocket science is not even rocket science. Kids have drones now for 50 bucks and that we <laughs> never imagined. So I, I think that what I would suggest is if you're going to a conference in the next several months, before you go to the conference, ask yourself, am I being solution-oriented? Um, I, what go- My goals for my business are problems to be solved. And there is a solution to every difficulty that I have in my business. My business is not something that is unique. Oh, only I have this problem. Sorry, Joe, that's not true. Number one, what's the goal that I'm looking for that to come away with from this conference? Number two, I would suggest to understand that desire and knowledge are antidotes to fear and doubt. Desire and knowledge. What? do I desire to learn here? And then ask yourself, what are my favorite excuses for not achieving my goals? And how will I listen for those excuses as I'm listening to Robert Dyer or Brian O'Rourke or whoever it might be give a great lecture about how to move my business? What excuses can I, do I know I need to listen for? And if I start hearing myself use those in my head, what are my rational responses to those excuses? If you don't have those, save your money, stay home, don't go to the conference. It's going to be a waste of your time because what's going to do is cement in, I can't do this. Yeah. So go to that conference with a question. What do I want to learn to apply to this problem that I have in my business? Number two, what excuses do I use for why I can't move forward and uh, identify those areas where my fear and doubts are holding me back from doing something that I really want to do
1: yeah Michael I must agree Um, I'm a little bit like Robert when I attend conventions I go there with one agenda and one agenda only and that is to grow my business I'm investing the money therefore that's why I'm at the convention and I treat it a little bit like a shopping trip I'm going to go into each uh, workshop and I'm going to get one thing that I really want out of it and then what I do, and I honestly mean this, I will skip networking events and I will go back to my motel room and I will put in place something that I have learned at the workshop so that by the time I leave the convention three or four days later, I've implemented some of the education that I learnt at the workshops and hopefully have got some whether they're positive or negative um, results so that when I get back to my club I'm already 10 or 20 feet in front of my competitors because I find and I mean this with, um, without being disrespectful but a lot of people attend conventions the social side of it they feel it's important to network with their peers and it is but not every single night um, and and not every single lunchtime and morning and afternoon tea we we're there to learn and we don't get those opportunities often enough to to I'm not saying it's wasted networking but to spend our time doing stuff that's probably not as important as investing in our business I always have a team debrief if I have my team um, with me and um, if not, I have a debrief with myself on the plane on the way home.
2: You're doing it right. That's exactly what you're doing. Uh, I, I, I just have been writing about this recently. Passion, purpose, a sense of privilege in being able to be a leader, and clear pursuit. Passion, purpose, a sense of privilege that I get to do this, and clear pursuit. That's what you've just described. A lot of, A lot of networking – is nothing but ego stroking, right? Let's face it, that's what it is. Now uh, you choose to use it, you use your time for what you're all about growing this remarkable business that you have. And uh, I, uh, some people stay away from those networking events because they feel that uh, they don't deserve to be there, I'll be rejected, I won't be the center of attention, you know. And they sit in their room whining. You go to your room. And you're three days ahead of everybody else. I love it. It's great.
1: And you know what, Michael? You know what, Robert? Let's be realistic about it. Networking events do not pay our bills when we get home back to our business.
2: <laughs>
3: oh, is that, true? that, is that is, that's true? true? You could have done the whole thing by yourself. You didn't need Michael and I. Right.
1: I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know about that. So, okay, before we close off our podcast today, because I know that we can speak um, for a lot longer on this and, and I do hope to follow through with another panel podcast with you both in a few weeks' time, just some pointers on everything that we've discussed this afternoon, what to do, what not to do. And um, I mean, my message for listeners is don't be afraid. Um, don't be fearful of anything because the worst possible thing that can happen is that it becomes a learning experience from you. And the next time that you have a go, you'll be better at it. So what are some uh, some hints that both of you can give today? And Robert, I'll start with you first.
3: Uh, I know you were going to do that. You know, it's, um, I, I, the first thing I would say, Mel, is, and, and again, this is recapping some of the things we've talked about, is having trust in ourselves and our team. And, um, I think that's that's a critical part of being able to do the things that we've laid out here. Be, be accountable. Be accountable for the end result. I think that that's very important. And, you know, it's I would say that being open to change and not being closed-minded, and Michael mentioned, mentioned I believe he touched on those too, but the, those things can really get in the way of progress and uh, a lot of this other stuff it's funny how you can have one thing that blocks the next five or six good things for some reason we let that happen and to all let people deter us deter us from doing what we know we can do and and no to me i've lived always lived by this no doesn't mean no no means you just haven't I just haven't gotten enough information to be able to make this work yet I gotta keep working on it if it's something I believe in no doesn't mean no to me and having faith that I have the courage and the strength to make this happen because I believe in people Michael knows that's a big thing to me I'm real big on, on building strong teams and people that are way better than I am. Uh, and I love being able to do that. That would be my suggestion.
1: Michael?
2: I would say that I I think those are brilliant suggestions And I would expect nothing less. I'm glad you turned to Robert first because it gave me a chance to think a little bit. (laughs) Robert was able to do that off the cuff. But no, the, the truth is I think that, number one, work on yourself every day. Never stop improving. Commit to becoming excellent at whatever it is you do. And by that, you need to be able to think about and talk about where you're going rather than about what may have happened yesterday that went wrong. Envision. We talk a lot about envisioning. Like I tell people, you have to work in before you can work out. So before you can work, you grow your business, you have to grow yourself. Um, Find people that are attracted towards your own future hopes and dreams and if people are like you know airplanes have tailwinds that thrust you forward and lift that lift you higher and they also have headwinds that slow you down and weight that pushes you down surround yourself by those thrusters and lifters the weighers, the people who weigh you down hold you back step aside they're not going to help you I think if you do those kinds of things, if you catch, challenge, and change your own thinking, if you go to these conferences prepared to learn and apply that, and if you're not able to do that because of limiting beliefs, challenge those beliefs, change those beliefs, you'll soar, you'll fly, you'll find your own hidden gifts and talents.
1: Fantastic, Michael. Thank you very much to both of you this afternoon for speaking to me on the Gym Owners Business Podcast. If anybody would like to get in touch with Dr. Michael Mantel or Robert Dyer, they are more than welcome to inbox me here on the the podcast. Or, Michael, where can people get in touch with you?
2: They can reach me at my email address. It's very simple, Dr. Mantel D-R-M-A-N-T-E-L-L, at me, me, dot com. One word, Dr. Mantel at me, dot com.
1: And Robert?
3: Uh, yes, Mel, my website, very interactive. It's uh, uh, Robert J Dyer, D-Y-E-R, dot com. Robert J. Dyer dot com.
1: Gentlemen, it's been a pleasure, as I said, speaking to you both. I look forward to catching up with you both in the next couple of weeks. Enjoy the rest of your day.
3: It's an honor to be with you. We appreciate you giving us this chance. And I can't believe you put me on a panel with a behavioral scientist.
1: (laughs) I can't believe that I I have interviewed one. Thank you.
2: Take care, guys.
0: Thank you for joining the Gym Owners Podcast, sponsored and supported by National Fitness Business Alliance and Gym Click Media by Mel Tempest on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Join us next time for the Gym Owners Podcast.